Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. We're going to jump right into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 this morning. I remember when I was in college, one of the classes that I hated the most was speech. I hated speech because you guessed it. You had to talk in front of people. You see how God has a sense of humor, right? But I remember when they would give you your outline or your topic, and then they would give you the time frame that you had um, to present your speech or to pre- present your topic. And I remember sometimes it would be seven minutes, it would be 10 minutes, sometimes it would be 12 minutes. And I would look at that and go, that is an absolute eternity. How am I supposed to talk in front of somebody for seven minutes? And I know a lot of you in the room are wishing that I still felt that way. I knew John Tankersley. Was that Tommy or John? Which one was that? Probably both of them. Yeah, look at them, liars in church. We're gonna have an invitation at the end for you to repent. But I remember in speech, and this is kind of the the general outline or the rule of thumb that many of you still hear when it talks about presenting something is you always tell the people what you're gonna tell them, you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. That's kind of the general rule of thumb that will help people grasp on to what is being discussed. And when we look at all of Paul's letters, when we see all of his writings, I think about that outline and I think about, okay, he's gonna tell us what he's gonna tell us. He's gonna tell us and then he's gonna remind us what he told us. And it's almost as every time we read these writings from Paul, it's like he gets hung up on number three. I'm gonna tell them what I'm gonna tell them. I'm gonna tell them, but then I'm gonna tell them what I told them and I'm gonna tell them what I told them and I'm gonna tell them what I told them. And it's almost like a bad episode of Groundhog Day because every time we read, it's just like Paul is so repetitive and he just goes back and continues to repeat himself. But I'm thankful that Paul writes that way because this guy needs that. I need to hear it over and over and over again. And what we're gonna see today is there are several things that Paul repeats himself in, but then we also find that there's some some new truths. There's some things that he also introduces us to today. But I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter two, and we're gonna be looking at verses 13 through 20. We're gonna close out chapter two. No, we're not gonna read all the verses today, but we're gonna hit all the the high points in in this text today. So I want you to read with me. We're gonna start just by reading verses 13 through 15. Paul says, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. 
For you also endured the same suffering at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men. You know, the first thing that we look at is that phrase, for this reason. A lot of scholars believe that when Paul says for this reason, that he's talking about what's coming up. But there's other scholars that will argue with that and say that, no, it's actually talking about what was before. So he, for this reason, we know that he's thankful to God. He's thankful for all the things that have been talked about up to this point, And he's thankful for all the things that are going to be talked about through the rest of this letter. So we know that for the, the bottom line is, is Paul is thankful for what God has been doing in the people of Thessalonica or in Thessalonica. And so he's thankful that God's moving, that God is saving and that God is transforming the people. And so we wanna make sure that we realize that that's the heart of Paul, that he's just thankful that God is moving. And we see the very first thing that he mentioned there is that he's thankful that the word, that they've accepted the word, that they've received the word. And here's one of those those things that is repeated. In in chapter one, verse six, we read that just earlier when we first started this series. He says that you have received the word. And so he's repeating that he's received the word and he's thankful for that. But where I wanna look at next is, yes, he's thankful that they've received the word. He's thankful for salvation that has came through the word. What we have to realize is the context of which Paul is talking about. I want you to understand that you know that when the church of Thessalonica would get together, they didn't all have pretty little Bibles like we do. They didn't all have the Bibles with their name inscripted on the front cover. They didn't have that this was presented to me by such and such on this date. Y'all know all the little covers in the front. When you got baptized, somebody gave you that Bible. That's not what they're talking about. What Paul is talking about is the fact that when he speaks, that the word of God is coming from his anointed mouth. And he's thankful that the people of Thessalonica have have noticed that, that this is not the word of man, but this is the word of God. And Paul is so thankful that they're recognizing that it's not a man speaking, that he is the vessel that God has chosen to speak through. And so Paul is thankful that they have received the word, not of man, but that they've received the word from God. But then I love what it says, and I've read this so many times and it's just never jumped off the page to me like it did. But if you look at the end of verse 13, it says, which also performs its work in you who believe. So not only did the word of God bring salvation, but it said that the word of God performs the work. It performs a work in those who believe. Now that word perform is a word that we that we say a lot, but I want you to understand what Paul is saying when he talks about it. He's saying not only did the word of God bring salvation, but the word of God has performed a mighty work. And when we hear the word perform, it means that something happens or that it produces results. There's going to be a difference when the word of God is presented and when the word of God does what it does. You know, scholars believe that this specific church was one of the the greatest churches of the first century. Do you know why that it was known as being one of the greatest churches of the first century? Do you think they had some rock star staff? Do you think they had a, a beautiful campus? Do you think they had the greatest programs? 
Do you think they sold the most appealing merchandise in the front lobby? No, it had nothing to do with that. The reason that the church of Thessalonica was known as being a powerful and influential church was because of the emphasis they put on the word of God. This is why God was doing what he was doing is because their emphasis was being placed on the power of God's word. I want you to understand that this morning, that the reason that we have seen God do what he's done here in the last couple of years has nothing to do with man, has nothing to do with programming, has nothing to do with the band. It has everything to do with the power of God's word. This is why God is doing what God is doing is because of the power of his word. And so, yes, we are thankful for that. And this is something that I don't care what area of ministry you step onto on this campus. Every area of ministry believes what we just spoke, that the power is in the word of God. You can go downstairs in our preschool where our little babies are hearing the word of God, where they're learning the, the 30,000 foot view of all the Bible stories. Then you go over into our children's department and you watch our little kids run around the church with their little black and yellow Bibles. That's called the Honey Word Bible. I know my daughter is six years old now and she is so excited. She has blown up her Bible. She dropped it the other day and it, it blew up. And so she's like, daddy, I can't go to church without my Bible because she knows that that's where the power is. And I have an update on her theology. If you weren't here last week, you remember there's some dogs that go to hell and all frogs go to hell. Y'all remember that? We're riding down the road the other day and she started asking questions about Jesus dying on the cross, um, how her sins are forgiven. And, and all of a sudden I could tell her her little wheels were turning and she says, daddy, you know what? I said, what? She goes, huh, I'm just glad I'm not Jesus. I said, why is that? She goes, I don't wanna die on no cross. I said, well, baby, what would you have done? She goes, I'd have ran like crazy. So... Jesus would have been deacon, he, we would not have hope because she would have spent her time running. Jesus would have ran. Um, but it's exciting to see that a child is hungry for the word of God. You go into our, our student ministry and they're doing a lot what we do in here. They'll just pick a book of the Bible and walk through that. And God is continuing to save teenagers. You know, we come off a big, a big event of United Weekend last week where we saw over 20 kids give their life to Christ. And you know, you think that, yes, praise God, you need to clap for that one. But not only that is, is you know, in ministry, there's all the time and when you have a big event, this is just how the church world kind of works. You have this big, big monumental event and then all of a sudden the next time you get together, it's like, and like everybody thinks, oh, I got enough Jesus last time. I can take the next week off. So I was kind of expecting that on Wednesday night. I walked into the chapel Wednesday night and you couldn't hardly fit in the chapel because of all, there was over 150 in the chapel on Wednesday night. And guess what? The word of God was shared and two gave their life to Christ Wednesday night. And so praise God that he just continues to move and he keeps doing what he does. Then you come in here to big church. How many of you used to call this big church? I still call it big church. How many old school people? Yep, big, we're going to big church now. This is what we do is we open the word of God and we preach through books of the Bible for the majority of the time. And if you remember last year and you remember even going back to the year before when we were going through so much division, when we were going through a pandemic, when we were going through so much separation, 
Look, I'm not that smart to play out series that will speak to us every single week. But we, God led us to certain books of the Bible. We went through 1 Corinthians, we went through Colossians. And what I was blown away with is it didn't matter what was happening in the world, but every time we opened the word of God, he met us right where we were. That's something only the power of God's word can do. I'm not that smart. Go ahead, Tommy, John. Amen. That's why I was waiting on the amen. But I'm so thankful for the power of his word. And we believe in it so much. Many of you have heard. We invite you, if you don't have a copy of this, we've got one for you. Stop by our guest services and we have bought a Bible for you. And go by and pick up your Bible. If, if we run out, which we have about every week, just put it on order and we'll order you a Bible. So just make sure you do that. That's how much we believe in the power that comes from this book. And so the truth is, is the power has always been found in the word. The power will always be found in the word. And the power is always going to be found in the word. It's never gonna stop being about the word of God. And so we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the power that comes within. You know, in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word has always been, and his name is Jesus. And so, you know, not only does the word bring salvation, not only does the word perform in the lives of those who believe, but what I love about the word of God is there's unity in it. Look at verse 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same suffering at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. Now, that's one of those verses that we can just kind of skip over and just kind of read really quick and not get a whole lot out of it. But man, I tell you, I was reading it the other day and God just put the brakes on it. He said, no, you need to stop here. And you need to look at what I'm teaching. Look at what I'm teaching through the voice of Paul. You know, what's mind blowing is that he refers here to a connection between the churches. He's talking about a connection from the, the churches that are in Jerusalem, but also how they're connected to the church in Thessalonica. Now, I know that may not seem like a big deal, but when you pull up the map, when you look, these churches and church of Thessalonica were over 900 miles apart. Now to make sense of that for us, that would be like us driving from Atlanta to the other side of San Antonio, Texas. That's how far apart these churches were. That's how far apart these local assemblies were. But Paul says, you know what? You're beginning to resemble one another. Now why that's a big deal is the fact that they didn't have TV. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have Instagram. They didn't have any way possible to be able to try to fabricate what another church was doing. They didn't have the ability to copy what another church was doing. They didn't have the ability to try to repeat what they were doing. But Paul says there, because of the power of the word of God, the churches in Jerusalem and the church at Thessalonica are starting to look a lot alike. They're starting to do a lot of the same things. And can I tell you that that is such a testimony to the power of God's word to do something supernatural. 
that can't be explained. And to even take it a step further is, you have to understand, this is two totally different groups of people. In Jerusalem, you've got the Jews who are completely obsessed with following all the rules. They're trying to earn God's love. They're trying to to follow everything so that they could be accepted by God. And they are, are busting themselves to try to be perfect, to try to present themselves perfect. But then you go 900 miles to the Southeast and then you have a bunch of Gentiles who the rules are the last thing that, that are on their mind. They could care less about following the law. They could care less about following rules. They're living for them and them alone. So what's amazing by that is you have two totally different people groups, one that is bound by the law and one that is bound by idolatry. And because of the power of God's word, these Jews and Gentiles start to look a lot alike. And can I tell you, that is so mind-blowing to me, but what it does is it helps us understand the heart of God and it helps us understand what our heart should be in this house. And what I mean by that is the reason that everyone is welcome is because it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how you were raised. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you're walking through right now. But what we do know is that if we will open our hearts and our mind for the word of God to penetrate our hearts, no matter what's going on in life's past, if we will let this word penetrate our heart, we're all going to begin to look a lot like family. That's something that only the supernatural power of God's word can do. Now, I'm not talking about physically, but I'm talking about spiritually. We, no matter where we come from, we begin to love like Jesus. We begin to treat people like Jesus did. And we realize that we are in this together because Paul calls us the brethren, that the brothers and sisters, that because of the power of God's word, we have been made one. We have been made a family. And that's the very reason that we want everybody to feel that they're welcomed here. I don't care where you came from. I don't care where you were raised. I don't care how many times you've gone to church. What I believe and what I trust is that if we will open our hearts and minds, the power of God's word will bring salvation and it will perform a work in all of us. And that's what I'm thankful for. You know, in the book of Romans, it talks about that we are being molded into the image of his son. You do realize that being molded into the image of his son doesn't change based off of where you come from. Being molded into the image of God's son does not change based off of how you were raised or what your lifestyle has been like up to this point. The reality is, is the image that we're being molded into is consistent with the person of Jesus Christ. And that's it. That is the only thing that is consistent is we are being molded into the image of Jesus Christ. And that is the sanctification process. That is the word performing its work in those who believe, which is what Paul speaks to. You know, then it goes on to talk about something else that, that they're resembling. 
Not only are they beginning to look like brothers and sisters, but they also, one thing that they resemble is the way that they're responding to suffering. He says there that you're both experiencing the same suffering. You're 900 miles apart. You're not only oceans apart, but you're worlds apart, but you're still experiencing the same suffering. Now, the same suffering that, that Paul is talking about is not necessarily the the death of a loved one or hard times at the job, or we're gonna talk about that towards the end, but what he's specifically talking about in this context, the same suffering is a persecution as a result of their faith. That's the same suffering. He's saying that you are all being treated, you're all being shunned because of your faith, and that's something that you both have in common, Jews and Gentiles alike. Because see, the Jews are, are receiving the pressure from their community, from their government to revert back to following the law. They're getting the pressure to go back to follow the rules the way that they were raised. But then you have the Gentiles on the other hand who who Paul says that you're being pressured by your countrymen, by the people inside your country. They're pressuring you to go back to idol worship, to go back to, to idolatry. So they're both being torn. They're both being persecuted as a result of their faith. And I know that in America, you gotta be careful when you say this because some have, but some haven't. We've not experienced to the extent of what Paul is talking about. We haven't been persecuted the way that people have been persecuted for their faith. But can I tell you that I believe with everything in me, it's coming. There's coming a day when we will be persecuted for our faith. We can all agree that it's getting harder, that things are happening in our world that are trying to limit how we can be together. Freedoms that we have in Christ And so, no, we may not be walking in it right now, but can I want to tell you that that there's coming a day that it will happen. And that is why in this season, until it does, we've got to be preparing. We've got to be preparing to do this thing together. We've got to be preparing to, to lock arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we will find strength to stand together when the world comes against us. And this is the very reason it's so amazing how God would just even bring things to my mind and to my heart. You know, from from day one, we have been passionate about the Big C Church. We've been passionate about doing life, even with other churches, even stepping across denominational boundaries and even doing things that are outside the box that don't make sense. But it's so amazing how when I read God's word, I begin to get clarity on the why behind the what. Because I believe there's coming a day that we're gonna have to stand together and I'm not talking about just Chestnut Mountain Church. I'm not talking about that we're gonna have just to stand together and that it's gonna be Chestnut Mountain Church against the world. That's not the case because the church is much larger than this building. The church is much larger than this assembly. This church stretches all across the world. 
But there's coming a day that we're gonna have to stand together. And this is the reason that we are so passionate here at Chestnut Mountain about the Big C Church. This is why we exhaust ourselves every week to try to build relationships with other churches. This is why we exhaust ourselves in praying for other churches. It's because there's coming a day that we're gonna need each other. There's coming a day that we're going to have to stand together when the world tries to force us to go in another direction. But when we look at that phrase, same suffering, it can be translated into the English language as, as sympathy. And so that the reason that the, the churches in Jerusalem have a connection with the church at Thessalonica is because they're experiencing the same suffering. So therefore they both have sympathy for one another. How many of us have gone through situations in our life and we hear of a hard time somebody's going in and if, if we have walked through that, we're a lot more sympathetic towards them. We're a lot more sympathetic when we have walked in the path that they have walked. We're more compassionate, we're more, we're more loving, we're more understanding. But if we've never walked through what other people are walking through, sometimes we have a hard time having sympathy for that. And so Paul is saying that these two churches, 900 miles apart, are able to have sympathy for one another. And that sympathy is what has united their hearts. That sympathy is what has brought them together because they've both walked through the same battles. They both walked through the same struggles. That word sympathy could be defined as the capacity into sharing feelings or interest of another. One scholar expounded on that just a little bit and he says that fellow suffering always forges a strong bond of unity. And in this present scenario, it brought the hearts of Jerusalem church and the church of Thessalonica together because they've gone through the same thing. Because they're walking through the same battles. They're walking through the same persecutions. But isn't it like God to bring two suffering groups together to create strength. It's only like God to bring two broken hearts, two struggling groups of people together to make them stronger. That's only something God can do. Because you know, we often say a lot of times, and I believe there's an element of truth to this, that hurt people hurt people. You've heard that. But according to what's happening here is you got hurt people join with hurt people and the hurt people are made stronger. That's the beauty of only something God can do. And so when we hear this, we think we parallel that with, with what we're walking through. And what I mean by that is what our nation, what our community has experienced over the last you know, we always say couple of years, but now I think it's like 10 years, it feels like. But you know, over the last two, three years, we've experienced so much, so much turmoil, so much dissension, 
so much confusion, so many lies. But what we've seen is We've seen God do something only God can do because all of this stuff that we've been walking through for the last couple of years has created so much pressure. It's created so much friction and so much tension. But what I love about God is what God has used all of this for is to birth a hunger in his people, to birth a hunger in us, number one, for truth, Because how many of you love the truth now more than you ever have before? We love the truth now because all we've been hearing is lies for who knows how long now. And so it's created a hunger for truth. And can I tell you that this is the only truth? This is it. And so God has taken this pressure situation, all of this friction, and he's created a hunger for truth, but he's also created a hunger of togetherness. He's created a hunger for togetherness. Because when I think back over the last couple of years, it it popped up on my phone the other day. I remember when we were first forced to shut down for a short season. I remember when the band got together and they, they produced that recording of all the different voices and all the different places in their home and And they sang that song. And I remember the first time driving down the road when that song came on my phone. He said, were you watching your phone when I was driving? Yeah, you all do it too. (laughs) But I'm watching this video and I'm seeing my church family sing together, worship together. And I remember driving down the road just weeping because I longed to be with you. I long to be with my church family and this pressure situation created a hunger and a desire in me to be with you like I never have before. I believe with everything in me, that is why we're seeing what happens here over the last couple of years happen. Yes, it's the power of God's word, but I also believe that in our community, people are wanting to be a part of something. People are wanting to be together because the reality is his family was meant to be together. And that's what Paul continues to talk about. And that's why we value here. We value this authentic community. We value wanting you to have a safe place to come. We value us wanting to be able to walk in here and feel welcome, to feel like we're loved and to feel like we have a place. And that's kind of how Paul sort of lands the plane in chapter two, if you would. Look at verses 17 and 18. In 1 Thessalonians chapter two, verse 17 and 18. Paul says, but we, brethren, there's that word of togetherness. There's the family word together. Having been taken away from you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, We're all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. You hear Paul's heart. It says that he is eager. 
It says that he has a great desire to be with the church. That he's eager, has a great desire to be with his family. You know, my prayer is that this is going on in your heart. I, I hope you're not wired like me. A lot of times when I dismiss on Sunday afternoon, I'm already thinking about next Sunday and I'm excited to be back on Wednesday. I'm excited to be with my family. But what I hope and I pray is that you leave here each and every week eager and with a strong desire to be here again. To wanna be with your family, to wanna be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And one reason that we can have this eagerness, one reason that we can have this desire is because in our context, we're all gonna walk through some of the same sufferings together. No, it may not look like persecution yet. We may not be that far along yet or that far gone yet. But for all of us, we've got sufferings of our own. And so that is the very reason that we each and every week, I know we say, and it sounds like a broken record, but we wanna be a place that it's okay to not be okay. If you're broken, come broke. If you're hurting, come hurt. If you're lonely, come lonely. Because what we believe is that once you step in here, once you step in with this family, that's not how you're gonna leave. That is the purpose of us gathering together to have that eagerness and that desire that you're loved and you're welcome. You know, when we gather in a place like this, no matter what you try to pretend, no matter what you try to to pull off, we're all walking through something. We're all walking through difficult situations. Whether it be at your job, whether it be at your home, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be with your children, but every one of us have, we're walking through something. Maybe it's doubts. Maybe it's struggling with salvation as to how, how can God save me, a wretched sinner? How, how is it that God sent his only son to die for me when I've not yet done anything for him? That's the beauty of God's grace. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died. And maybe that's something you wrestle with. Maybe that's something that you're struggling with right now in this moment. I would venture to say, that no matter what you're carrying today, no matter what you brought in here, there's somebody in here that's either going through the very same thing you're going through or they're standing on the other side victorious. And how the family works together is if we will get to a place where we're transparent and look, I'm not asking you to get transparent in this room. We're not gonna pass the microphone around and have everybody just air out your laundry. But we do believe that that can take place in groups, that that can take place in a small knit community. 
I talked with a young lady yesterday who used to be in our student ministry that has started coming here and she's gotten involved in a small group. And I heard testimony of, of how the first time she stepped on campus, she was mad at all y'all for smiling. That's how bitter, that's how maybe hopeless she felt. But then she was able to get in a small group and able to open up. And it just so happened that Brandon Bridge Farmer was in that small group that day and he came to me and he said, I saw one of the most powerful things I've ever seen today. He said, a young lady opened up and that group came around her. Can I tell you, that's what family does. That's what family does. And so when we talk about this, this element of togetherness, somebody either is going through the same thing you're going through or they're already standing on the side victorious. And what they wanna do is they wanna speak life into you because they're gonna have sympathy for you. Remember, they've gone through what you've gone through. They're gonna know the cycles. They're gonna know the emotions. They're gonna know what it feels like to be where you're at because they've been there. But here's what I wanna tell you today. You too will come out on the other side victorious. The word of God tells us that we are more than conquerors through Christ. And some of us just need to hear that from somebody who felt like there was no way they could overcome what they're in. But that's what family does. then here's how God works. Maybe you're stuck right now. God's gonna put people around you that's gonna pull you through. And then when you come out on the other side victorious, guess what then he's gonna do? He's gonna say, okay, remember what I provided for you. Now I'm gonna use you to provide that for someone else. You see how the cycle goes? That's what family does. The trials that you are walking through, the trials that you're gonna overcome, God is gonna wanna use that so that you can pull someone else through the very thing that you're walking through. And therefore, you're gonna walk through the same sufferings and God is going to align your hearts because you're gonna sympathize with one another because you've all been there. And so that's what, that's what this is all about. That's why there's an eagerness and a desire that Paul has to be with the church. It's because he knows that we're better together. He knows that they're better together. You know, so as we look at these verses, as we kind of summarize, and while it was fresh on my mind, now I've got to tell you what I told you. But the first thing that we notice is that there, yes, there's power in the word of God, not just for salvation, but it performs a work in those who believe. Are we letting God's word perform a work in us? Then secondly, the, the word of God brings us together. 
The word of God brings unity. The word of God aligns our hearts so that lastly, we can walk through the same sufferings together. So that we can walk through life's struggles together. You know, I wish, I'm, I'm really, I promise this time, I'm not gonna make it this uncomfortable, but what if, we, what if we did that in this room right now? What if we were able to say, hey, you know what? If you've got a child that is left, that is living in sin, I want you to come and stand here. I'm not asking you to do that, but what if we did this and say, hey, if you've got a child who's gone astray, I want you to come and stand here. And then what if we said, hey, if you're a parent in here who has had a child gone astray and they've returned, I want you to come and pray with this individual. What if we said, hey, all those who feels like your marriage is falling apart, I want you to come and stand right here. And then we opened it up and said, hey, if you were a marriage that was falling apart, but now you stand victorious on the other side because God has reconciled the marriage, I want you to come and pray with those individuals. I believe it would be one of the most powerful things we've seen because that's the heart of God. That is what God is doing. He's aligning our hearts so that we can sympathize with one another. Because I can promise you that if there's a broken marriage and there's broken marriages that have been mended, begin to pray for a broken marriage, they're gonna pray like nobody else can because they've walked through it. They're gonna beg God. They're gonna plead to God. They're gonna cry out to God because they know how hopeless and helpless that broken marriage feels because they were once in that place. But that's that same suffering coming together. Isn't it just like God to take two broken groups of people to make us stronger? So this morning, I know you say, well, we kind of already done the response. We've kind of already done the invitation because we're hurting people and we've already prayed, but maybe you didn't have the boldness to move a moment ago. Or maybe you're here this morning and this whole family thing makes no sense to you. Can I tell you, this is the very reason that we're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. That it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you walked in with here this morning. You say, well, Brian, I don't understand all this stuff. I don't, I don't understand that they received the word, they accepted it and they were saved. What does that mean? What does all of that mean? Can I tell you, you're never gonna fully understand and comprehend all of it. But the one thing you can do today is trust in that promise. That for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say whoever calls on the name of the Lord and has it all figured out, you can be saved. It says for whoever, you know who that leaves out? No one, no one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. 
We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.